0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome
1: to the Sports Virus Podcast, everybody. I'm Joe Castellano. We're brought to you, as always, by Kane's Tire in San Rafael, California, where they have had the lowest prices in Marin County for over 60 years. Well, today's guest is somebody that has joined us many times here on the Sports Virus Podcast, Ray Woodson, the former talk show host from KMBR, and we're going to talk about San Francisco 49ers. A little bit about the Golden State Warriors and Bay Area talk. And uh, Bruce Bochy, as he has taken the managerial position with the Texas Rangers. And we're probably going to talk a little bit about a toothpick that I own. More on that later. Here's a conversation that I had with Ray Woodson on Tuesday. Well, Ray, thanks a lot for joining me today. And uh, we're going to start out by talking about. The San Francisco 49ers. And, uh, you know, yeah. looking at a season that is three and 3-4, I mean, that's pretty disappointing, especially some of the teams that they lost to earlier in the season. I don't know that you're that disappointed about losing to the Chiefs, but it's kind of the way that they lose to the Chiefs the second time that this has happened because in the Super Bowl it, w- it was kind of similar where they had a lead, uh, the defense really wilted, and that's the big surprise to me is that a number 1 defense ends up playing the way they did on Sunday. What do you think?
0: Well, uh, thinking about that Super Bowl, uh, the defense played really well against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl up until the middle of the fourth quarter, and they kind of ran out of gas. And Patrick Mahomes engineered the comeback. In that game, they got a lot of pressures on Mahomes. Uh, not so much on Sunday, and that's partly a function of the Chiefs have revamped their offensive line. And that really showed because they won the battle in the trenches. I mean, yeah, they sliced and diced them, and they got big plays, and they scored with a with, Ease, but they did that because they dominated in the trenches and uh you know it was it was quite a different experience i think for the 49ers defense to have such prob- trouble pressuring the quarterback and of course H- mahomes is fairly mobile on top of that and uh andy Reid and eric Bieniemy have a toolbox of plays that uh, i don't think the 49ers defense had seen and on top of that, the 49ers defense is not fully healthy. They got a little healthier last Sunday, but they were still totally outclassed. And I think one area where they're really hurting is right up the middle of that defensive line, which was supposed to be a strength with Kinlaw and Armstead out. Uh, that, that's really causing problems for them, as well as other injuries they've had. For example, Mosley and, you know, Charvarius Ward got cooked a couple of times on Sunday. I mean, uh, that, was, that was rough. Yeah. So there was a lot going on there. And, you know, a lot of it was because the Chiefs could run the ball. So uh, they weren't put in a lot of bad third down situations, although they've got the kind of offense that where they're in third and long, they can still convert a lot easier than other teams. But uh, they, they had the 49ers behind the E ball, except for the first drive. The 49ers were good on the first drive, holding the Chiefs to a field goal. But after that, um, it was like uh, putting the finger in the dam. And then Jimmy G's uh, interception at the end of the first half was an absolute momentum shifter. And after that was all Chiefs. And, uh, I mean, uh, the the word I think of is outclassed. Totally outclassed on both sides of the ball.
1: Yeah. I thought they missed Drake Greenlaw, too, since he went out. Yes. Uh, you know, he's a big part of that defense, just the way he makes tackles. And the Jimmy G throw, yeah, agreed. I mean, that was a really bad decision. I didn't think he played all that badly, though. I mean, I thought, you know, most of the game he was okay. I think he has not had a lot of help from receivers at times. I mean, just some of these drop passes. Ayuk had one. uh, Wilson had one. I mean, that that would have been a touchdown. Uh, So, to me, it's kind of the overall team. I, I can't really point at one or two guys right now on this team, or even, you know, the head coach. It just seems like a little bit of everything to me.
0: Yeah, and the drops were killers against the Falcons too. So, uh yeah, overall Jimmy G hasn't played badly. His interception rate is down, but there is still that trademark Jimmy G awful throw of the game. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, you know it's coming at some point. And yeah, that was an ill-advised throw, and I think uh, Jeff Wilson Jr was open on that play. He didn't see him. He didn't see him. So, yeah. Yeah, so that that was, that was you know, he, he has this facility for managing the game pretty well, and he knows the offense, and he's tough. But he just has that facility of making the absolute worst throw at the absolute worst time. And that was the case Sunday. Now, I don't know if it would have been a win-or-lose situation the way the Chiefs were going, but it it certainly shifted the momentum of the game where the 49ers were going into score at the end of the half would have given them a good feeling. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know, they... They're, they're, some of their issues are due to just all the injuries they had. I mean, what the, the defense was starting three of their regulars against Atlanta. Um, and this defense looks to be elite when it's healthy, but it's not, and it's not going to be for a while. So that's going to be really problematic for them. They might have a little better luck against the Rams where, where you have a quarterback who's not as mobile and an offensive line that's not as good as the Chiefs. And uh, maybe you get a little healthier. Uh, Nick Bosa back for another week. But the other part of it, Joe, is I'm I'm very curious to see how they work in Christian McCaffrey. I mean, he had to digest a, you know, reader's digest version of the playbook. uh, And so they couldn't use him in all the ways that I'm sure they want to last Sunday. I think that guy, you know, he's going to be a real help to Garoppolo.
1: Oh, yeah. I thought he was a major positive when he was out there. I mean, the more he plays, the better it's going to be. You know, he didn't have... As much going on, I thought, in the second half running the ball. But he's going to be such a great weapon to be able to throw the ball to him. I mean, that's what you're looking for. That's kind of what they were hoping for when they had Jarek McKinnon, but he was never healthy. And then, of course, he killed him on that one play against the Chiefs now that he's with Kansas City. But, I mean, I I think that dual threat type of guy, uh, when he's out there most of the time – he is going to be huge for the 49ers. I didn't think it was a big deal to give up those draft picks that they did. I mean, they weren't like they were first-round draft picks. I mean, that was quite a coup to get McCaffrey.
0: Yeah, you know, I don't worry about the draft picks so much. I mean, that's down the road. They're all in. They want to win now. Uh, that's a win-now move, and I, and I applaud them for that. Uh, so I think, you know, with somebody like Kyle Shanahan, he can think of a lot of ways to use McCaffrey. We're going to see him more on third down. That's for sure, and that's going to be critical for the 49ers. They haven't been all that great in third down situations, and he's a guy that you can run and you can put him out in the flat, and he can he can make it yardage on his own. So that's that's going to be the enticing part that I think will help the 49ers as far as keeping drives alive and things like that, and maybe doing a little bit better in the red zone. You know, I, I was thinking Sunday these field goals ain't going to cut it against the Chiefs.
1: No, no, you know, yeah.
0: You can't settle for a, against a team like the Chiefs, maybe against the Bears and the Broncos, although they could barely score against them, but, but certainly not against the Chiefs. So, you know, I, I kind of feel like, not exactly like last year, you know, where they were 3-5 and five, and then they made their playoff push and, of course, got within an eyelash of the Super Bowl. I kind of feel the same way because I don't feel like we're really seeing the real 49ers just yet. I think we've seen the real defense at a couple of games, and they've been awesome the previous game against the Rams, for example. But, uh, you know, football being the way it is, nature of the game is you're going to have injuries and you've got to backfill. Uh, and the problem is there's been quite a drop-off in some positions from, from guys who are, are the starters to the backups, with a couple of exceptions. So like to see that defense get a little healthier. like to see how they work in McCaffrey now that he has a week to digest the playbook and uh i would hope we'd see a different team against the rams and they're going to have to be i you know you're tempting fate to start 3 and 5 for a second consecutive season and hope you can beat the odds and get to the postseason again you know the the, the only thing that's helping him is that division is so mediocre
1: yeah exactly i mean <laughs> i mean the seahawks right now are in first place which is pretty surprising i thought another yeah. major positive ray was that george kittle is now kind yeah. of back to himself and the connection with Jimmy G as well. I mean, there are going to be times where I think Jimmy maybe even forces it to him. I think that's who he was throwing to on that interception. But, but they had a great connection, and that going forward is going to really help because Kittle kind of hasn't really been catching the ball or even targeted very often in recent games. He's been more of a blocking tight end, but he's just so valuable yeah. when he can get open like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, and they, they – uh, didn't have all the weapons they needed to have to help out with spacing. And that's, again, where I think McCaffrey can help some to to loosen up the defense a little bit and, and cause his eyes and attention to go elsewhere and, and create more openings, maybe more seam routes for, for Kittle. Uh, he's got to be the all-pro guy that we've seen in the past if they're going to get anywhere. So, yeah, that's another part of it I, I'm very interested to see going forward. If he gets back to the way he was, it's going to be a huge plus for them.
1: We'll have more with Ray Woodson right after this. When it's time for new tires, you want the lowest prices and the best service, don't you? Well, Cane's Tire in San Rafael has you covered on both. Cane's has the lowest prices in Marin County, and they provide the warm and welcoming service that you can only receive from a family-run business. Voted Best of Marin for 35 years in a row, Cane's prices beat Costco's prices every time. Cane's Tire, 1531 4th Street in San Rafael. Give him a call at 415 453 2942. That's 415 453 2942 for Kane's Tire. All right, let's switch gears and talk about the Warriors. Uh, you know, off to the early part of the season here. And uh, it looks like this team is going to be very deep in a different way where you have yeah. all of these young players that are going to be contributing. But it seems like it'll take a little time for that chemistry to develop and for Steve Kerr to figure out, you know, his rotation. Uh, because more so than other years uh, he's just got these guys that are ready to play and he, and he's plugging them in there, but he kind of doesn't know what he's going to get and he also doesn't really know how many minutes uh, to you know he's he wants to play some of the veteran guys yet he wants to see how they uh you know get in shape uh, draymond Green being an example and uh, Clay Thompson as well so I would think that's going to change as we go through the season. what do you think
0: oh absolutely uh, he's experimenting and I think you'll see that through the first Dozen or fifteen games, he's going to go into the lab, put on his coat, and you know, <laughs> there's, there's going to be sparks and there's going to be smoke and you know, there's going to be some explosions. But uh, eventually, they'll figure it out. I, they've they've certainly got the talent. Um, I, I I don't know if uh, the type of game, for example, Kaminga has, blends well with certain guys off the bench. I don't know that how that's going to work out for him. And you know, he went into the second year thinking that he was going to have an expanded role, and it's not necessarily the case. So that, that's tougher for younger players to have to deal with that. And Steph nailed it uh, after the first game. He said, you know, the, one of the issues that Steve Kerr is going to have that I don't envy him is figuring out how to disperse the minutes uh, with all these young players. You know, it's not like you had uh, Otto Porter Jr. or Bielitsa, and you knew what they were, and you figured out where to plug them in rather quickly. It's It's a whole different story this year. And, uh, you know, part of this is influenced by the fact that they've limited the minutes for Draymond and for Clay. And, and Clay, especially, I think uh, you need to handle with kid gloves, coming off two catastrophic injuries. And he had a pretty grueling run at the end of last season and performed, I, I think, overall pretty well, especially on the defensive end. But, you know, the jump shot isn't back to where it needs to be. He looked pretty fresh the other night, but he's still getting his wind. Uh, so uh, with him, it's still preseason for him. So you've got to ramp him up. Uh, Draymond looks a little sharper. Uh, you know, for example, I think in the second half of the Nuggets game, he was outstanding. Even though they, they dug themselves a hole, they got back into the game. Uh, and, you know, he's going to be a highly motivated player, I would think, for various reasons that, that we can get into. Uh, so that's the number one thing. First of all, you've got to ramp up Draymond and Clay and have confidence that they're still the guys that – you have seen that uh, have been such a core of this championship uh, roster and then you, you know you got pool who's going to have a more of a target on his back this year now that he's got that big contract and showed what he could do last year he's on everybody's radar now so i think that for every coaching staff oppo- opponent's coaching staff when the second unit comes in that's the guy you're going to target that you don't want to let beat you yeah because he's you know, he's the, the biggest offensive weapon, and if you can do that, uh, then you are at a big advantage, and for example, the Nuggets bench absolutely torched the Warriors bench, but it's work in progress, I get it, and I, I think, you know, some of these young players are going to have to make their case, uh, you know, DeFecinto got hurt with a hamstring, so I would think that's going to be an opportunity for Moody, who who got some chances last year, and I think this guy can play. I think he can be a good defensive player, and I think he can be a reliable shot maker. I think Rollins is going to be a good player. I really like his game. He's just so young and inexperienced. They they plugged him against the Kings, and Darren Fox schooled him a couple of times down the floor. Yeah, I, I think you know what the, Kerr said that was the most disturbing part when they had that collapse against the Kings and just barely hung on. First of all, you were figuring that uh, the bench would hold the fort and you wouldn't have to bring back the veterans cold off the bench. But they had to do that with predictable results. But just the lack of energy, the lack of transition defense with young players, that should never happen. So I, Kerr had called kind of out a couple of times. He practically vaulted off the bench, <laughs> like Mike Conley in the Olympic triple jump. And, and you know, he, he was mad. And I don't blame him. You shouldn't have that lack of, of effort and energy coming from young players who are fighting for a job in the NBA So. That's part of the learning process I guess. Uh you would think a guy like well, the the young guys who went through the wars last year would understand that, but kinda of feels like Joe they're 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 warming up to the season. They're gradually working their way in. And I, I think, you know, fifteen, twenty games in you'll see different results. I would hope you'd see better defense, that's for sure. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, I I think also uh, one thing that really stood out to me early on in the first couple of games was the way Andrew Wiggins was going after it. I I don't know that we saw that a couple of years ago. I mean, that changed – Last year, first half of the year, you know, he was an all-star, and then he kind of kind of faded a little bit in the second half, and then he came alive again in the playoffs. Um, he looks determined to kind of be a little more consistent in his effort. I mean, just going after rebounds and, and uh, playing better defense, just doing everything for them.
0: Yeah, the talent's always been there. The talent has always been there. It's just what's going on between the years. And I think that that was an issue in Minnesota. It uh, Wasn't a great culture, but he, he you hoped that when he came here with this culture that it would have a, a good effect, and that's apparently the case. And he loves being there now. And you know, when you see good results from that culture, that always helps. And went through a championship season and performed really well in the finals in a couple of key games. Uh, that gave him a world of confidence and made him understand: okay, if I work, this is the result I'm going to get from the amount of work I'm doing that reinforces that I have to keep doing that amount of work and that amount of mental focus in order to stay at this level, and, and that's pretty fun when you win and you play well. So I, I think that he, he's in a pretty good mental space right now, and I think that that's all, all the difference for him. And, you know, having Clay back, having Draymond back, having Curry back at the end of last year, culturally as well as on the floor, was a, was a real help for him. And, you know, he, he wants to repeat. He wants to get back to the finals and and, and have that fun again. So I uh, I just I I'm I'm kinda of proud of him, you know, because I, I think there was a tendency to mentally drift for a couple of years there and people were saying some bad things about him and I had questions myself. But I thought it was a, a worthy gamble for a guy of that talent. And man, he really he really showed up when it was important last year.
1: Oh, yeah. Speaking of the mental part of the game, how do you think the Warriors got past the whole Draymond Green-Jordan Poole incident? Uh, because it seems like they've been able to brush that aside maybe a little uh, easier than some folks thought that they would, You know, especially in the media. I mean, that was a big story. Um, and we've seen this in the sports world before. I mean, we even saw it in the San Francisco Giants dugout when you had Barry Bonds and Jeff Kent going at it. Somehow they get past it. Uh, how do you think the Warriors were able to
0: get past it? Keep playing. You know, just keep playing and, and, and doing your job. Be be professionals. And they both said that. So I, I appreciated that. I don't think it was as easy as it looked to get past that. Mm-hmm. I think even Steve Kerr called it the biggest crisis the team's faced during his tenure as coach. Yeah. Going in nine seasons now. Bigger than uh, the finals in 16 when Draymond got suspended. Bigger than the blow-up in the locker room at, at OKC. Bigger than the blow-up between Draymond and Durant. That's saying something. Yeah. That, so, uh, yeah, I mean, when a guy lays hands on somebody else like that, I, I've heard, yeah, it happens in practice, and I'm sure that there are altercations here and there, but I don't think it happens in, in that severe a way where a guy just club punches somebody and could have done real damage, could have broken his cheekbone. You never know. Draymond could have broken his hand. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, it, it's, people could have gotten hurt, and, it, and, of course, it was caught on video, which always makes it worse. So, Uh, once it gets on video, you can't get past it. It's always going to be there.
1: Oh, yeah. That's disturbing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it was. So you just have to figure out a way to acknowledge it and then deal with it. I don't know if you ever totally get past it. To be honest, it kind of felt like the beginning of the end for Draymond as a warrior to me. And, you know, maybe those wheels were already in motion. Uh, You know, I I hope that my gut feeling is not true. I hope they can work something out to keep him around because he's He's still indispensable to them. He's not a replaceable player. So, uh, you know, the reality of the contract situation, and now the fact that they've extended Wiggins, and they've extended Poole, (laughs) and I kind of wonder if that was part of it. You know, the seed of the frustration for Draymond, even though he's publicly acknowledged he didn't think he was going to get an extension, kind of signaled the you know changing of eras. Mm -hmm. They're they're investing in the younger players, and I don't blame them for doing that. So uh, I don't know if he's here next year. Uh, It's going to depend on a lot of things. But I think in the meantime, what you're going to see is uh, they're going to be professional about it. I think, you know, when it comes to basketball, they're they're both pretty high-character guys. And by that, I mean when it matters, they're going to put in the effort. Uh, You know, And and Draymond, for all his faults and his ups and downs, uh, he was there at the end of the finals last year when they needed him. Uh, He's got to be that guy. And he looks great coming out of the gate. So I think for him, going into a year with a player option and possibly becoming a a restricted free agent, he's going to be motivated to, to show that he can get past that, that he can be an asset, that he can be a good teammate once again. Uh, not to say that he's not going to have some blowups with the referees now and then that's <laughs> right. just who he is. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's like asking water not to be wet. <laughs> so, you know, That's that's, <laughs> that's just the the deal. We all know that. I mean, we've been going through this for with a decade with Draymond and, and in the end, the balance sheet is the plus he's got four rings. So uh, that's what this is all about. I think he, he's, he's going to get past it in that he's going to really focus on playing on the floor. Seems to be, you know, getting along with Poole on the floor. And I think in the end that's that's all that's gonna matter. You know, Poole's got Poole's got his bag, Wiggins got his bag, Draymond's gonna have to wait. And it's gonna depend on how he handles it going forward. Yeah,
1: I mean I think it's still gonna be a great season for the Warriors and uh getting past that early is probably a big Key. Uh, let's switch gears and and finish up by talking about bruce Bochi, who's now the manager hey, yeah. of the texas rangers uh you know it doesn't surprise me that much that he he comes back to managing because i don't think he ever wanted to leave really in the in the first place but you know he just kind of felt like it wasn't a good fit with the giants anymore when they went with a new regime w- what was your take on that whole situation did you did you think that Bochi would come back
0: I I always thought it was a possibility, and I was there with all the other reporters uh, in the dugout in Scottsdale in February of 2019 when he announced that it would be his last year with the Giants. And mm-hmm. it, it You know, it was retirement in quotation marks. He didn't slam the door on another opportunity down the road. But he says right now he's he's of a mind to, to make this last year in San Francisco, and I think what it was was he had a change of the guard in the front office with Farhan ID taking over. And he understood that there was a new philosophy and that he was going to want his guy. Daidi was going to want his guy. And so Bochi didn't want to get, get in the way of that. And I think he's, you know, been around the game long enough that he can sense that. And, you know, this way it makes it a, a graceful exit for him and for everybody involved instead of making it awkward. And I think he had a kind of a similar departure from San Diego in 2006, although at that point he was coming off a, a playoff team playoff uh, performance. So uh, I, I I also think he looked at that roster and said, wow, we're going to struggle to get a 500. I might as well you know, just pitch, uh, pull up the tent here mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, revisit it down the road. But he never, he, I think the phrase he uses, you never say never. So I, I you know, a lot of people were thinking that, oh, maybe he's going to go to San Diego next year. But he, he, tends to slow play things. That's one of his favorite phrases is to slow play things. And so I think he he wanted to get a little rest, a little mental rest, you know, just kind of figure things out and figure out what the best situation was. And I, I, I didn't think he was going to come back for just any job, but he loves it too much. I mean, you've been managing for 25 years. You go through that grind of 162 games plus playoffs for 25 years in a row, you must love it. (laughs) <laughs> I mean because it is a grind there's no question about it but it's the life he knows it's the life he knows for 40 plus years as a player and a coach and then as a manager so um it was going to be hard for him to get away from that uh, you know permanently and he's 67 but he's he's looking over at Dusty down in Houston in the World Series now <laughs> you know and Dusty's 73 so I think he figured that once he recharged the batteries, he wasn't going to be too old. Uh, something about the Rangers' situation really impressed him. I know he's going to try to get some of the band back together again as coaching staff. Uh, I know Tim Flannery's not going to go. Uh, I don't know about Wotus. Uh, he, he's kind of said he left his heart in San Francisco, so maybe he doesn't go to Texas, or, or maybe Boach does enough of a sell job to bring him down there. But, you know, good for him. I'm, I'm happy for him that this is what he likes to do, and he's very good at it. You know, he's he's great at manipulating bullpens. There's a difference now because you got the three batter minimum rule, but I, he's a smart enough manager to figure out how to how to work around that. Um, I think he's going to have some success there, and you know, I wouldn't be shocked to see he and Dusty face off in the playoffs next year. <laughs>
1: That would be great. I think a lot of Giants fans are rooting for the Astros because of Dusty Baker to try to get that for yeah. first world series. I mean, I think the thing I really love about Bochi and, and I'm not going to say that you know I want every manager to just be old school and shun analytics and everything, but but I do like that Bochi has kind of that mix of the analytics yeah. and, you know, what goes on as far as his gut instinct and and being willing to kind of let a pitcher stay out there a little bit longer as far as, uh, you know, a starting pitcher because I, a lot of these managers now, I mean, they're just pulling the plug on a pitcher. They never give him a chance to even get through five innings. You know, I, I think that's pretty tough. So I, I like that Bochy's back in the game.
0: Yeah. Still wish he would have left Matt Moore in in the ninth inning of games. In the NLDS ah, against the Cubs right. in 2016, <laughs> right. that one's still smarts. But uh, yeah, uh, on the other hand, you expect a bullpen to hold a three-run lead. Anyway, too soon? I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I think that uh, he has shown the ability to change with the times. Otherwise, he wouldn't be managing now. Uh, there's no question he's going to lean on the veterans. That's his style. But uh, I think he can still relate with young players, and young players should respect him because, you know, he had great success recently enough that these young players know who he is, know what he's accomplished. They're going to listen to him. And he has that kind of presence anyway where um, he 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 can get his point across without yelling. Although, uh, you know, he has that sort of quiet John Wayne demeanor, but he's yelled. I guarantee you. He's <laughs> When the doors are closed, he's yelled. And, uh, he's, <laughs> you see another side of him, but no, that's not necessarily his nature. Uh, but, you know, it's not strict analytics. Uh, he wasn't going to work for somebody uh, who was going to expect the front office to make decisions for the manager during a game. That's not his style. But, yes, he, he, as time went on, he definitely incorporated analytics. There's no question about that, and it has its place in this game. I've always said, Joe, I'm I'm for more information. Anything that can help you win, I'm for it. But you know, the, as with any trend, sometimes the pendulum swings too far the other way. And I've had a chat with Flannery about this on, on previous podcasts. That uh, you know, you can fall in love with the number crunching and forget that you're managing people. And and you know, Bochy is particularly adept at that. And that is still very much a part of this game. And I think sometimes you do have to play a hunch about how a player is going. And oftentimes the manager knows things about a pitcher, for example, that the fans and the press don't know. And that's part of the hunch playing. Uh, It doesn't mean you sit there and go, well, I like the way that he, he threw in a bullpen session on Tuesday, and he's throwing hard now even though the guy who's coming up against the plate uh, to the plate against him is a lefty and he's a right-handed pitcher and the lefty is batting 525 against him in his career. <laughs> yeah, Poche isn't going to do that, you know. <laughs> but it's 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 more subtle and nuanced than that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're all rooting for him. It's going to be great to see him back in a major league uniform. Ray, thanks a lot. I really appreciate you uh coming on here this week. Uh, always a lot to talk about and can't wait for the World Series to get started. It's too bad it's not starting tonight. I mean, really, I, why do we got to wait so many days here? But that's just the way it goes.
0: <laughs> um, it, yeah, you know, they, they had to make room for a possible uh, ALCS games that never happened. Right. The, the Astros just boat raced the Yankees. I mean, the Astros are solid.
1: Yes. That, that's
0: a team that doesn't really have any weaknesses. Uh, does that mean much in a short series when the Phillies are feeling good about themselves? You know, the the, the Phillies are like, screw it. We're here. You know? We beat everybody to get here. We can beat these guys too, and we know how how important that is. Uh, you know, they remind me a little bit of the Giants in the couple of years they won. They were a wild card team. They got in and and they hit their stride. So it's I think it's going to be a lot tougher for the Astros against the Phillies than the Yankees. But I'd have to favor them, and and I'm going to be rooting for Dusty. Uh, this is not the 2017 you know trash can banging Astros. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. This is they. They, they should have paid a higher price for that. I agree, but that—that's not that team. From all I could see, this was legit. They—they they earned it. They won 106 games. They haven't lost a game in the postseason. And Dusty has done a great job. And you know, he came into a difficult situation after the, you know, the, the stain that was on that that team and the perception of that team when he came in, and he's just done a wonderful job. He's—he's uh, he's a really good manager who shows you that uh, a bad decision or two once in a while will come back to bite you big time in the postseason uh, and also some bad luck will come back to bite you. And he's had a lot, a lot of that, too. I, I would hope, I'd have to think that uh, the down payment will finally be made and that uh, he's going to get a reward for a lifetime in this game and accomplish the one thing he really hasn't accomplished, right? Yeah. He's done everything else in this game. Except for manage a World Series champion, so I hope in a couple of weeks uh, he's hoisting a trophy.
1: I do too, and I have to I have to leave you with something kind of weird and funny. I was doing a Pac-12 Network baseball game, a uh, Cal Bears, and Dusty was there because his son was on the team. Yeah. He, yeah, he came on the booth, came on the air with us, came in the booth uh, for an inning. And he gave me one of his toothpicks. Of course, not one that was already <laughs> in his mouth. But he gave me a toothpick, and very I very considerate. Yeah, I, I saved it. I didn't use it. I saved it and I put it in a little, uh, you know, envelope. And it's Dusty Baker's toothpick,
0: <laughs> and it's just a
1: cherished memento. I got to tell you.
0: So now you've got to get that verified. All right. <laughs> yeah. So- so now, now it becomes a collector's item. You Might need a dentist. Seal on, yeah. yeah so, well, get Dusty to verify it. And then then put the seal on the bag so that if he makes the Hall of Fame, you've got the, a Hall of Famer's toothpick. Yeah. What a proud memento that is.
1: <laughs> exactly. All right. Good way to finish the podcast. Thanks, Ray. And uh, take care. We'll talk soon.
0: All right. Sounds good, Joe.
1: That's former R. talk show host and frequent guest Ray Woodson. Thanks a lot for listening to the Sports Virus Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on
1: YouTube.